Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. Today's guest calls one of my favorite countries on the planet home, New Zealand. Mel Armstrong has had an amazing life journey. She's gone from being a professional ballet dancer to a web designer, award-winning illustrator, and surface pattern designer. She's illustrated 15 children's books so far. She's a top Skillshare teacher, works with an agent to license her work globally, and she's a mom of two amazing kids. I'm kind of tired just reading that. (laughs) I'm too overwhelmed by how amazing she is to really have any words to add to that intro. Mel, welcome to the Stardust Society. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, we like to start our interviews by getting to hear your Stardust story. And I think yours is a fascinating one. We shared a very brief overview of your story um, in the intro, but can you please give us the full story of that journey? Sure. It is quite a long journey, but I will... um try and shorten it a bit, I guess. Um, I guess my creative, my creative journey started as a dancer, um, Mm -hmm. a ballet dancer. And when I was 15, I won a scholarship to go to Australia to join the Australian ballet school. Um, so I left home quite young, traveled over to Australia and never looked back really. Um, (laughs) and unfortunately my ballet career was quite short because Mm -hmm. I ended up breaking my foot quite badly. Oh Um, no. So that meant I had to kind of reassess where I was going with my life and, I kind of went into IT. I did an IT degree at university, um, became a software engineer and worked for some massive companies in Sydney, in Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, But the creative side of me was really calling me. Um, And so I delved into a bit of acting because I felt like I needed to get back onto stage Mm-hmm. And I did that for about oh, eight years. And oh, wow. I don't know if you've heard some Australian shows like Home and Away, I was on there once. <laughs> um, cool. And then, yeah, and then I kind of was like, oh, yeah, this isn't quite working either. And I just had my kids and trying to get to auditions with kids was proving to be quite impossible. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, I had one one audition once. It was for a massive, massive job and my babysitter didn't turn up, which meant I didn't get to the audition, which meant I got a big, you know, red flag on my name. So I'm oh, just no. like, no, that's the end. Um, so anyway, then I was, I had my son and I was trying to find some fabric and I couldn't find any fabric that I liked because I wanted to make him some clothes. And um, I was like, oh, I need to to sort of branch out a bit here and I ended up searching the web for create your own fabric and found Spoonflower. Um, uh-huh. And this this is going back, I don't know, about eight years ago, I guess. Oh, wow. And 
I discovered I could probably do it myself. And that's where it all kind of began with my surface pattern design and illustration. So I designed some fabric um, and made some clothes for my son and was like, oh, this is like the best thing ever. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how did you learn how to do that? Did you just teach yourself? Yeah, or? No, well, I'd always, I've always been a drawer. I've always mm-hmm. been an artist, I guess, in my mm-hmm. own sort of world um, as a hobby. I never yeah. thought I could do it as a career and I'd never studied art or um, in that way. I did do a graphic design course once and did a lot of graphic design um, work for some companies around Sydney and obviously web design, which is a lot of graphic design as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously helped me to create, you know, illustrations right. and stuff. Right. But I think just the combination of me always having that um, experience as a hobby of drawing and combining that with the graphic design, it kind of set me on my way, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you were, you were making clothes for your son. You were creating on Spoon Flower. What was next? From there, I submitted a design to the Make It in Design course for the scholarship because um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to study how to do pattern design. And I won it. Awesome. Um, which meant that I got to do their wonderful course. And from there, I had built up a portfolio and managed to get an agent and started licensing. And that's kind of when I started thinking, wow, I could really do this as a full-time career. Now, let me ask you, for the agent, did you go seek out the agent or did they find you? I went and seek them out. So I kind of looked around and I saw what other artists who they were um, with if they had an mm-hmm. agent and kind of saw what they were licensing and what I wanted to license. And mm-hmm. the agent that I found I felt would would be the best fit because um, they both license patterns as well as greeting cards as well as do children's book illustration as well. So Smart. Yeah, it felt like the right fit. So that's a lot of really cool things that you're doing, right? Um, creating your own work, illustrating children's books, licensing work, teaching. We didn't even get into how you started teaching. No. And I think the interesting thing about how I got into children's book illustration was a publisher saw some fabric of mine on Spoonflower that had a cat in the pattern and went, oh, I like that. Can you illustrate a children's book for me? Wow. Um, and of course you said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's amazing because a lot of people think that Spoonflower, now this was probably some time ago. I don't know how, how long ago it was when they found you yeah. on Spoonflower. That, I think that would have been about five years ago or maybe four, not sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that you can't get discovered for a licensing deal or an illustration deal off of one of those platforms, but you absolutely can. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really encourage people to um, sell their designs on Spoonflower. It's it's not only a great place to be spotted, but also a nice little passive income um, as you grow your shop and as your your designs get noticed. My passive income from Spoonflower is a, a huge proportion of my income each month. Oh, wow. So it's fantastic. Um, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, like roughly what percentage comes from Spoonflower? Uh, I'd say about 20%. 20%. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's something that we're actually, we've just had a um, print on demand series that we've been talking about. And I don't have a shop yet, but I'm getting excited about starting one. I just started a Society6 one, but I love the idea of being able to create uh, fabric. And like in your experience, it actually led you to children's illustration. So your first book, basically, somebody found you on Spoonflower. They loved the character, the cat, and they said, mm -hmm. hey, can you make a book around this? Can you tell us a little bit about that process and what it was like creating your first book from start to finish? Like, how long does it take? And do you do yeah. like storyboard stuff first or, you know, how, how does all that work? Uh, so the um, publisher, I worked with a art designer, a book designer with the publisher, and they basically design the layout of the book for me. Not everyone has that. With mm -hmm. some publishers, you don't get that. But um, with this particular one, they had it. But first of all, I had to come up with the character and do some character designs first. Mm -hmm. And then they basically said, yep, we love that. Let's go forward with it. And so the book designer came up with the pagination of the how the layout would go through the book. And mm -hmm. then it was my job to basically um, do the illustrations. And I started with the storyboard and then um, thumbnails and then uh, roughs, which are the sketches, and then the color is the final part. And when they do the layout, they kind of tell you where the text is going to go and yes. all of that? Well, not necessarily where the text is going to go, but what text is on what page. More, okay. Um, more than where it's going to be on the page. That was more my job. But they, But she also gave me a few ideas of what could be on that page. Yeah. And so how long did that process take? Uh, three months. That sounds quick to me, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I've done some that are bigger books in shorter timeframes and then some other books in longer timeframes. Wow. So from start to finish, um, like from the thumbnail process to the end result you delivering, it was about three months of time. And yes. then how does that work in terms of when did it actually get out into the world? Yeah, so they seem to time it with um, certain competitions or um, festivals or mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but I think with that one, it took about uh, maybe a year before it came out, mm -hmm. which is pretty normal. And then once that happened, you basically had one under your belt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and did you start like immediately on the next one? Did somebody approach you? Did your agent then use your first book to say, hey, she can do children's books? Would, you know, how, how did it go from there? Uh, after that first one, the publisher was... Um, very excited to do another one with me. So they waited mm -hmm. until the next um, manuscript came along that they thought would suit my style. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't very long. It was probably, I think I had started it before the book, had, the first book had actually came out. So yeah, it was pretty quick. But then I was also working on a couple of other books at the time that I'd gone through my agent um, and they hadn't seen my first book. So they wouldn't have known, you know, what, it was like, I guess. Right, so, right. Yeah. So I, I was working on some board books, I think, um, for a publisher in the UK, which were completely different. Yeah. So I forgot to ask the very first book. How long was it? How many how many spreads was it? It was a 32 page book, 32 page book, which is a standard picture book. Yeah. And in three months, that's just fascinating to me. Were you using um, like Photoshop or like digital or Illustrator or what were you using to to do it? I did a lot of that in Procreate on the iPad. Okay. And 
I also used Photoshop and I, I like to create all my textures from paintings and photographs. So uh-huh. there's a bit of traditional stuff in there. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's a real mix. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and especially with with Procreate, it's amazing what you can do on an iPad now. Um, I'm a yeah. huge fan of Procreate and um, and I actually released a, my second Skillshare class recently, <laughs> which Yay. happened to be about Procreate. Um, and what was so cool was just you can do all types of illustration. You can do greeting card design. In your case, you can do books. But I imagine you have to start with a pretty big canvas to, to yes. have it be to where it'll print nicely. And that limits your layer size, right? Yes, but there are a few tricks. And your stuff looks very textural. Like your stuff it looks is. beautiful and textural. So what are yeah. your tricks to doing that? I am curious. Uh, I often will end up with about five canvases for one spread at least. Oh, and okay. Each each time I will um, send it over to Photoshop and basically so I've always got all the copies on my computer um, mm-hmm. just in case I lose them off my iPad, which hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet, but you never know. Um, and yeah, and so it just keeps layering until I've got it all into one file and Photoshop. But yeah, it could be it could be five canvases at least. Wow. That's a great way to manage it when you have a limited size. But then if you have to make mm-hmm. a change that's in the first canvas, then you have to get it through all the other canvases as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you have, you have, um, make sure that you keep the original, you don't flatten any, anything. And as you go right. onto the second canvas, you can flatten it there, but you've still got your original. So, right. And then when I've got my file in Photoshop, I can just pull, you know, if I have to go back and change it, it's really easy to go and take it back into Photoshop. Okay. Cool. So, Mel, Give us a little bit of an idea about how people get paid for illustrating books. Do you get paid up front? Do you earn royalties? How does that work? Uh, it's different for different publishers. Um, for my picture books, there's always an upfront fee and then another fee when you're finished um, the illustrations. And then you have royalties as well after after that. But I have worked for, with other books that um, – it's just one off fee and I haven't gotten any royalties from it and they will give you a lot more money than the other ones. So kind of works out in the end. It just varies. Yes. So clearly you've enjoyed this process because you've done it, what, 15 times? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your artwork is amazing. And I think oh, you. Um, you also have a Skillshare class on how to illustrate the cover of a children's book. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I do. Yes. I just go into um, some of the tips that you need to make a really good cover, I guess. Um, uh-huh. Color and tone and layout, composition, that kind of stuff. And you can also, I, I find it, um, I get a lot of jobs that I just do the cover of a book. Um, there's a lot of publishers out there who get different illustrators to do the cover as opposed to the insides. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought usually yeah. the person who did the cover would also do the the layouts on the inside, but that's not always the case? Not always the case, no. Interesting. So can you tell us what your favorite book project is you've ever worked on? Uh, yes, I think that would have to be um, some adventure books or activity books that I did for Scholastic in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done four of those now and they have been the most fun. And I think it was just fun working with Scholastic and the content of the books was all my favorite sort of things to draw. And yeah, it was just fun. 
Do you go back and forth a good bit with the publisher? Like, do you submit a spread and then they come back and say, no, we don't like that. We want this. Yeah, you can, um, especially with Scholastic. It was in their um, sort of hierarchy of approvals. You would submit something and the art director would love it, but then it had to go to like another level of approval with a board of people. And then it would then go to the salespeople and it, could get to the top mm-hmm. of that high, you know, ladder and someone in sales is like, oh, I don't know about that. And it comes all the way back down again. And it can go up and down and up and down. Ugh. Yeah. It can get quite frustrating. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I bet. And Scholastic is pretty huge, right? Mm-hmm. So I imagine, um, I mean, how many books do they produce when you have a deal with a publisher like that? Oh, thousands, thousands. Um, yeah, I have no idea what the true number is, but they, I mean, the books are all over the, the world. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, a huge amount. Do you ever go out and see them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're in, <laughs> in my, my kids' libraries at school and um, books, bookshops and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. So Scholastic, in this case with the activity books, they don't pay royalties. So they paid a very large fee up front for each one, which was quite nice. But royalties would have been nice for this because there's so many copies out there. Yeah, Um, because it's done so well. Do you ever have the option of an upfront fee or royalties or some combination? Do they Uh, ever give you a choice? Not really, no. They just all have different sort of policies, I guess. And I think yeah. my agent does a lot of that negotiating. So Which do you prefer? Yeah, I think I think royalties are great. Um yeah. because over time the more books you have, the more money you're making. So then you can probably pull back on the number of projects you're doing. Um and right. yeah. That's how I kind of see it. Yeah, and I would imagine when new books come out, then people who find the new ones will want to go back and find all your old ones once they like it. So then the older ones can kind of get a resurgence. Absolutely. And yeah, and reprint, they reprint them and that means more royalties as well. Nice. And do you think um, because you have two children, how old are they now? I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Do you think that also influenced your desire to go into the children's illustration? Because you were probably looking at books going, you know what? I could make a really cool book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In fact, I am constantly down in my kids' bed- bedroom studying their books, um, looking at looking <laughs> for new ways to compose, you know, layouts and stuff. Like I'm always in their books. Um, <laughs> That's a great way to do research. <laughs> it is. And I highly recommend it because it's, um, in fact, yeah, yeah, it's just something you have to do. Um, but my kids also influence a lot of my drawings and my son in particular often will come into my office and have a look at something and go, oh, I think you need like a ladybug up in that corner or I think you need something over here. And Um, And he's always right. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Because those are the eyes that are really the ones that you're trying to cater to, right? And they see things in a creative, awesome way. So I love that. Yeah. So Mel, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced with children's book illustration? Uh, Drawing people. I really struggle with people. I like, oh, it's the hardest thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm still, I'm still trying to get good at it like I I just think it's one of those things everyone has something they struggle with and people is my biggest struggle and Uh I just need to practice and practice and practice I guess 
Yeah, I struggle with it, too, to be honest. And um, I gave myself a portrait challenge a long time ago to learn sort of at least how to do the appropriate proportions. Children's book illustration is something different because it's all like you're kind of developing characters. So it doesn't have to be super realistic. Yeah. And do you do more people or more animals in your work? I'd say more animals because yeah. that's kind of my thing, I guess. Um, yeah. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned before that you have a Skillshare class on book illustration, but I know that that's not the only class you have because you're a top teacher on Skillshare. So tell us a little bit about how you went from doing the illustrations and doing surface pattern design and then shifting into teaching. Uh, So I am a online course junkie. I take them all the time and (laughs) same. (laughs) I got on. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's great now that we live in this online community and there's so many amazing artists out there sharing their skills and, and I just think it's yeah, great. But anyway, I got onto Skillshare and they reached out to me and Mm -hmm. said, Oh, we think that you should teach. Uh-huh. Um, and so they set me up for one of their teacher challenges. Right. Um, and so with my first class, I did the teacher challenge and ended up winning the challenge. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. It was amazing. And they ended up promoting my class so much and I just got so many students. And I th- just think it set me up in a really good place to continue mm-hmm. teaching on that platform. And they've been amazing, Skillshare. Amazing. So uh, what was the first class you did that won the challenge? Yeah, it was um, how to create a half drop repeat in Photoshop using smart objects. <laughs> nice. Well, I think I need to take that class. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really old class now, but it's it's still it still works with the current Photoshop, so you should be fine. It's still relevant. Yeah. Yeah, still relevant. Um. So, what other classes do you offer on Skillshare? I have a mix of surface pattern design classes and illustration classes. Um, My surface pattern design classes seem to do a lot better than my illustration ones, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually taken a couple of your surface pattern design classes myself. Oh, cool. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you learned something. Yeah, they were fantastic when I was learning how to do repeat patterns. Awesome. So you started teaching. How long ago was it that you started teaching on Skillshare? Uh, I'd say three and a half years ago, actually, no, it'd be four and a half years ago. Cause it was just before I moved to New Zealand. So yeah, four and a half. And you became a top teacher. So when did that happen? About a year into it, I think oh, I became wow. a top teacher. Yeah. That is I awesome. Think mostly from that first class because it did so well. It, yeah, it got me right up there. That's amazing. I'm really enjoying it. I'm a new teacher on Skillshare. And to me, it's just so awesome to be able to share your skills and then see somebody else create with it. Yeah. And being able to pass on that knowledge. And I love Skillshare because I'm a class junkie too. <laughs> and not just Skillshare. <laughs> I do all the classes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. So I also understand that you have a new class that is in the works. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, so I've decided to do a masterclass in surface pattern design, and it's called The Art and Joy of Surface Pattern Design. Mm-hmm. And that is due to be launched uh, in April 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically is 
everything I've learned about the business and how to create design. So there's both the technical side of creating patterns plus the business side of getting licenses um, and selling your designs and also how to earn money in different areas outside of licensing through your patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, So I cover a lot of content and yeah it's basically all my skillshare classes put together (laughs) into (laughs) one large class so in this course you're kind of helping people learn more about the technical aspects and how to create the designs all the way to the business side you mentioned before that probably about 20 percent of the income comes from your spoon flower shop for yourself, have you found that the art licensing and the surface pattern design has been a significant portion of your income as well? Yes, uh, a huge proportion. Um, especially there's some licenses out there that I get royalties for. They just keep mm-hmm. coming every year. And I have a few clients that I do repeat projects for. I keep I keep working for and um, they provide me with royalties as well. And that just has steadily grown over the last few years. Um, as well as all the licensing that I do, it it all adds up and it's been quite a large proportion of my income. Have people mostly found you or have you gone out and sort of pitched your portfolio or your work to companies that you wanted to work with? Uh, I think most of it's come through my agent. So my agent does all that pitching for me mostly. Yep. And um, so most of my work comes out of the UK mm-hmm. and America And then I have a whole lot of clients down in Australia and New Zealand that I've approached myself. And so um, it's a bit of a mix, but I'd say the biggest majority of my income is from those through my agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious also about marketing. So that's sort of, you know, pitching your work and you have an agent who gets to do all that business stuff for you, which is kind of nice Mm -hmm. that you can focus a lot more. Especially the contracts and the negotiating, (laughs) which I hate. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That that's a struggle. Um, I think for just about anybody and I work in the business world, so I should be more used to all of that stuff, but yeah, it's, it's intimidating, I think for everyone. No, it never gets easy. (laughs) Um, I am curious from a marketing perspective, because you do have a very successful spoon flower shop, and that's not something that your art licensing agent is responsible for. That's you. Are there tips that you have for marketing your spoon flower shop when it's it's not your agent running the show? It's you um, in order to get found? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to enter the competitions. Mm -hmm. They have... um, weekly challenges and if you can get into the top 10 on there you not only get noticed by um, potential buyers but you also get noticed by the people at Spoonflower and Mm -hmm. if the people at Spoonflower notice you then they will buy your designs and print them um, for products and then put them in their magazine or they put them onto their social media Mm-hmm. which then helps you. <laughs> so they're kind of doing the marketing for you. But if you can get noticed by them, then do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's what's yeah. helped me hugely. It's getting it in front of the right eyes and having them help you do yeah. the marketing by basically submitting really high quality artwork and getting it picked up um, or noticed in the competitions. Yeah, absolutely. But then also marketing yourself. So if there are any uh discounts coming up on Spoonflower, then obviously put something on your Instagram to market it. Um, Mm -hmm. I find the two for one uh, deals are really good. That's when I sell a lot or the Mm -hmm. wallpaper 
wallpaper discounts or, or things like that. The wallpaper is huge because people buy a whole lot of it. Right. So you get, yeah, a good, nice commission from it. Oh, nice. And your agent doesn't have any concerns with you licensing items through Spoonflower versus through your own portfolio. Do you use different patterns and different images? Yeah, it really depends. So my agent's okay with me finding other licenses through other companies um, and also having things on Spoonflower. But then if uh, a client through my agent buys a license, then sometimes that may change. So I recently um, licensed some patterns to a fabric company in Australia and New Zealand. They're a very big um, mm-hmm. big store and they they asked me to take my designs off Spoonflower. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas some others don't really mind. So you just have to check. Interesting. So it can be like a, like whether or not it's sort of exclusive or not agreement, but you have the ability potentially to still do some of your own things. It's not like because you have an agent, everything has to go through the agent. So it's nice to have that flexibility. Um, I know a lot of people are concerned that if they, they put their artwork on uh, something like Society6 or Spoonflower, then Mm -hmm. other people won't want to license their work they get afraid of that, but it sounds like that's a fear that we don't need to have. Yeah. Well, in my case, absolutely not. I think it's helped me to have it out there. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about your class. So how many modules are in this course? There are six modules and Mm -hmm. they will be released one a week. So that's six weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you don't get overwhelmed in that first week with everything and you get to sort of stagger it out and and do the course at your own pace as well. Yeah, I think that's fabulous that you're covering such a large breadth of the surface design world and you have so much real life experience in it. So Mel, we wanted to we wanted to ask you what some of your biggest influences were when you were getting started. Do you have some favorite artists or people whose careers you were admiring that you wanted to follow in their footsteps? Oh, good question. There's so many. Um, there's Catherine Norman who lives in New Zealand. She's probably one of my favorite artists and because mm-hmm. she's a Kiwi as well. Um, I just love her unique style and her um yeah her patterns are divine so she she's a huge influence for me um in the illustration children's book illustration industry I really like the work of um Benji Davis yeah he has a great use of texture um and yeah I just I really love the way his characters are and I aspire to be able to draw characters the way he does, but I probably never will be able to. But um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Oh, I think yours are pretty phenomenal. I have to say, I, you know, I feel Uh, that way about you. I'm like, oh, I wish I could do characters like Mel can. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) we all, we all have different people that we look up to, right? Yeah. So what are some of the most helpful resources that you've found for yourself in your career so far? Um, I would say, um, obviously classes, online classes, as you've heard before, I'm a junkie. Mm -hmm. I also am a junkie of podcasts, um, like this Uh (laughs) and I, I I get a lot of inspiration from, from hearing other people's stories, but for resources, online communities are a huge, Mm -hmm. um, way of finding um, inspiration and bouncing ideas off people and finding resources as well, I guess. And are there any online communities that you found particularly helpful? 
Yeah, I, there's a number of um, online communities on Facebook that mm-hmm. um, have been fantastic, but probably my biggest is actually um, the Skillshare um, Top Teachers community um, mm-hmm. that we all chat together all the time and they're, they're inspirational, every single one of them, and I just, yeah, I love them all. <laughs> they're amazing. They are amazing. And we spoke with Liz Kohler-Brown in one of our past episodes, and I know she is a top teacher as well and a surface pattern designer. So um, it's it's pretty impressive uh, group of people that, that you're a part of, for sure. And being able to bounce ideas off of people makes a huge difference. I know that we have an accountability group ourselves um, for the Stardust Society, mm-hmm. and Nikki and I are in one with um, four women. And it's just such a, a great thing to have community of people who kind of understand where you're at and what you're you're doing in your creative journey. And a lot of people sometimes in your daily life don't get it, right? Yeah. So finding that that sense of community is really awesome. Mel, what is one piece of advice that you can give to artists and illustrators who are just getting started? Something that you wish you would have heard when you were getting started? Um, I think my number one tip is to just draw every day and don't think too hard about it. Just one of my favorite things to do, in fact, I do this every day, is I will go for a walk in the morning, take the dog for a walk, and I quite often will um, take photos of uh, strange-looking plants or um, pebbles on the ground and um, come home and then blindly draw them. So draw them without actually looking at the picture. Oh, yeah, like a blind contour drawing. Yeah, so you've got it in your memory, but you're not looking at it and then just see what happens. And so many of my designs have ended up being some of the best from those little walks in the morning. So I just think it's a really nice habit to have because you don't know where it's going to end up. Yeah, have a routine and not have the pressure on it that it has to be a certain thing. Like you you don't have to use Mm -hmm. the output of that session for anything in particular. Yeah, there's no pressure. So there's no deadline. It's just have fun. Yeah, I love that. Now, I do have a question because of, you know, we've just talked about so many amazing things that you have done from being a children's book illustrator um, to surface pattern design and licensing to teaching and being a top Skillshare teacher. You have this new course that you're doing and you're a mom, right? Mm -hmm. How do you manage your time? (laughs) Yeah, good question. (laughs) Uh, It's been tough the last couple of years, I have mm-hmm. to say, with um, COVID and everything. Um, I do like a good spreadsheet. So I like to have everything organized, um, especially when I'm doing multiple projects. Uh-huh. So I use a, um, a online product called Monday that I keep a track of all my projects in. Uh-huh. So if I don't have it organized, then I tend to procrastinate and nothing gets done. So I have to yeah, be organized. But really, it's been a huge challenge with lockdowns and being able to navigate homeschooling um, children yeah. as well as working. Um, yeah, that's been really hard. With two young ones at home, for sure. Yeah. And when we had the first lockdown, my son had had a terrible year at school and he um, we were in the process of getting all these assessments done because he just wasn't coping. And then we mm-hmm. went into a lockdown and we had this kid that was out of control, basically. Ugh. Plus, I had a lot of book projects on and it was just a messy time. But I mean, we got through it and he got a diagnosis of autism and he... Um, 
since then it's been amazing because we can now just love him the way he is and yeah he's been my rock really so yeah that's amazing yeah I think so many people in this past year have faced challenges parents have faced so many challenges with having their children at home and, um, and Laura and I can barely manage our dogs. <laughs> yeah, we, we added to that pile recently with a new dog. So, yeah, having another puppy is like having another child. So it's even challenging, more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's impressive. So it sounds like this tool is pretty cool that you use called Monday, you said. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's And you can actually share it with your um, the publishers or whoever you're working with so they can see where you're up to, which is good. There's another question that I wanted to ask. Yeah. So I love to ask this question. Is there anything that we should have asked you that we didn't? Oh. Put you on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe what I would imagine I'd be doing in five years time. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a good one. Mel, what do you imagine you'll be doing in five years' time? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully exactly what I'm doing now, (laughs) Um, but maybe a lot better at drawing people. Um. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And by then you're going to have like, I don't know, 50 books published? Some impressive number. Probably. That would be great. Well, we should all become children's book illustrators. But we, I, I have to learn how to make characters first. <laughs> I need to take all of Mel's classes. <laughs> yeah, I just like drawing naked ladies. So I don't really see that in a lot of um, children's books. <laughs> children's books? Maybe in a different market. <laughs> all mine are nude, nude adult women. So <laughs> I'm sure that would sell well, but just in a different market. <laughs> yeah, not, maybe not for children's books. No. And they're all drinking bourbon, right, Nikki? No, I'm drinking bourbon. They're just lying around naked with giant insects crawling on them. I need to see one of these. Nikki May Art on Instagram. I'm going right there after this. And pretty soon, pretty soon I'll be driving around in a school bus covered with those illustrations. That sounds pretty good. I just bought a school bus that I'm converting to live in. Oh, I always wanted to do that. And I will be painting on it. That's awesome. Well, come visit. I will. I'll take you for a ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I can ever get out of the country. <laughs> yeah, really. I can't drive to you, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. As soon as I'm, we get the, the freedom to leave this country, I'm going everywhere. <laughs> I can't go anywhere at the moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. But if you have to get stuck somewhere, New Zealand's a pretty awesome place to get stuck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's home for you, but I I was there and camped the Southern Island for like a month. And I just remember getting up out of my little tent in the morning, looking around and being like, Mm. it's Lord of the Rings and Mm. it's real. (laughs) Like it really exists. It just is amazing. Speaking of amazing views, don't you have a studio overlooking a really beautiful view of the Wellington Harbor? Yes. Yep. Tell us about that. It's just a, I call it a studio. It sounds really elaborate, but really it's just a room um, in the house. That's my office. (laughs) It's it's still a studio. But it does. I look out my window and I've got um, a whole lot of um, trees and bushland. And then if I look out, I can see the harbour, which we have an amazing view of the harbour. And uh, we live near a sanctuary where they are trying to bring back all these birds that were going were endangered 
And so now they're all flying mm-hmm. down into the suburbs where we live and it's been incredible oh, wow. to see all these birds come back. Yeah, so there's a whole lot of inspiration out there um, for me to draw every day. Cool. Do you happen to have a nice photo of your view that you could share with us? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, we'll put that in the show notes. We're all jealous of that view, I'm sure. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to have a Stardust Society retreat in New Zealand. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) We're all going to Mel's studio. Didn't you hear about it? (laughs) I better clean up. (laughs) You've got a little time before we get there. (laughs) So where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, they can go to my website, which is Mm -hmm. melarmstrong.com. And from there, you can find all the links to my social media. So I don't have to list them all, but basically Instagram is probably where you can follow my stuff the most or sign up to my newsletter. Mel Armstrong Design is my Instagram tag. Okay, perfect. And I believe you have a fun freebie on your website that people can sign up for your email list and get that is all about different types of repeat patterns. That's right. Yep. It's a free PDF download and I have put in there all the different types of patterns that you can create just to get a bit of a a taste of what you might get in my course. Awesome. And if they're interested in the course, then they'll have a chance to sign up for that in uh, in April. Uh, Yeah. The end of March is when they'll be able to sign up. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes. I think it sounds amazing, the course that you're offering that really gives people the, the um, everything from the creative side to the business side. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. All right. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Mel, for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, Mel, thank you so much for being here. And I know that you have been super generous and have offered Stardust Society listeners a unique coupon code that will get them 25% off your new Art and Joy of Surface Pattern Design course. Yes, that is so generous. And to access your discount, you can use a special Stardust Society link and coupon code that are available in today's Stardust Society show notes and through our Stardust Society Facebook group. Go to stardustsociety.com slash Mel Armstrong. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, and we know you did, We'd love for you to share it with a friend. Sharing helps us reach more Stardust like you and keeps us inspired to create new episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.